Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Due to an error in recording on Sunday, the sermon was not recorded (laughs) properly. So it's Tuesday, and I am going to just briefly go over it and then post this in place of the one that was, uh, the sermon that was delivered on Sunday morning. The sermon is entitled Mystery and Formation. A few years ago, Well, more than a few. A movie came out. It was a mystery. And the mystery revolved around a crime that had occurred. And there was only one witness. And the movie is the witness's testimony as he waits to be released from custody. But while he's speaking, another mystery is developing developing alongside. As the authorities are trying to rush and discover the identity of a secretive, never-caught, and never-identified crime lord. And by the time we see the big reveal, it calls into question everything we have just seen and shows how none of it was trustworthy or true and that the person in the office was that crime lord all along. Like all good mysteries, it develops briskly and it pulls the audience in. And we love mysteries. And God himself likes to work in the genre of mystery. Allow me to explain. The epistle reading for today St. Paul said, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among you the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has been at work throughout history for ages and ages of the world, but that mystery of what he's been up to has finally been revealed. And that mystery, brothers and sisters, is Christ in you. So let's take a look at the beginning of this with Abraham and Sarah. This story is a very important part of the story of Abraham. And I need you to stay with me because we're going to hit some difficult but necessary concepts here. So Abraham is he's sitting at the door of his tent by some trees and he's enjoying the shade because the text tells us it's a hot day. He sees three men standing there, and something very odd happens. He runs to them. He bows down to them and then calls them Lord. This should sound really odd to us, because who is Abraham talking to? To God or to people? And the language in the story shifts from singular to plural and back again. So the reader isn't sure if Abraham is talking to one person or to three. He asks the three men to stop and rest and eat with him. Part of the key in understanding what's going on here, I think, can be found in the previous chapter. In Genesis 17, it says that the Lord appeared to Abraham. And in chapter 17 is where his name is changed to Abraham from Abram, and Sarai's name is changed to Sarah. And in chapter 17, God restates the covenant with Abraham and reiterates the covenant with Abraham that Sarah will bear a child and that God will make his covenant with that child, Isaac. Then these three men appear in this following chapter, chapter 18, 
And Abraham speaks to them as if they were God. So his earlier encounter was probably not him hearing an audible voice, but having an actual conversation with someone present. Sometimes when we read the Bible where it says the word of the Lord came to somebody or God said to somebody, we often think that the person was just sort of walking alone by themselves in the field, and then all of a sudden they hear an audible voice speak to them. They're looking around and they're alone and they just hear this voice talking to them and they talk back. I don't think that's entirely accurate. What's clear here is that one of these men is actually God himself, Yahweh, in human form. Now, this is important stuff because the Jews believed up until the second century AD that there, there were two Yahwehs, one invisible and in heaven, and the other manifest on earth in a variety of visible forms, including as a man. That's a quote from the Old Testament scholar Michael Heiser. And so this is how the early Christians who were Jews could worship Jesus and consider Jesus divine. And also we see that the Spirit of God in the Old Testament is also seen as Yahweh. So we see the idea of God as Trinity, something revealed in Scripture and not in Greek philosophy as it is often claimed. And this is a pervasive myth, brothers and sisters, that the doctrine of the Trinity, God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that this is something extra, this is something tacked on by people who lived hundreds of years after what occurred. And this is a false doctrine that's sort of worked its way into the church and we must get rid of it. It's this Greek idea. It is not a Greek idea. It is not a Greek idea. That is a myth. It has been revealed in Scripture. And we see with the three men visiting Abraham, we see this as a picture of the Trinity. And we know, because <laughs> Abraham calls them Lord, right, that he recognizes one of them as God. The men ask Abraham where his wife Sarah is, and he replies that she's in the tent. And, and God says, next year I'm going to be back this way again, and when I get here, she's going to have a son. And Sarah hears all of this. And this is where this, the, our reading ended today, but we know the rest of the story in this chapter. She laughs. And we see here a few things. Sarah will bear Isaac, and Isaac is the child of the promise. And we have to think about this. Remember in the promise that God made to Abraham years before this. He was promised that through him all the nations of the world will be blessed. And this is realized in Jesus Christ. The child that will be in Sarah's womb is God beginning the mystery. And like Sarah, God will visit the Blessed Virgin. But her child will be the one who spoke to Abraham in this story. We also see here Abraham's willingness to host the visitors and took care of them and served them because he realized who they were and offered them faithful service. And just as Isaac was formed in Sarah and just as our Lord Jesus Christ was formed in the womb of the Blessed Virgin, Christ is formed in us. And in Colossians... 
from the reading we heard, we saw the preeminence of Jesus over all things. We have this incredibly high Christology, and we see very early on the Christian belief that Jesus is God, something that we just talked about from the Old Testament reading. And we could spend all of our time in this passage from Colossians, but we're not going to this morning. But we see some important things here, namely that Jesus is not created. He was the one through whom everything was created. Everything is under his authority, human rulers, spiritual forces that empower those rulers. He is over all of them. He is the head of this body, the church. He is the firstborn in the sense that he rose from the dead, the first of those who will follow him, namely us. And we were all alienated from God, but Jesus has reconciled us and is making us a holy people. And Paul, St. Paul proclaims all of this to them and to others. And he does this even in spite of great suffering because God wanted to reveal this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what does that even mean? Well, first, we need to see that this mystery or secret plan is meant for not just the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. It is meant for all nations. What began in the womb of Sarah was meant for the blessing of the world, not just for a select group. Remember, God told Abraham that his descendants will be like the stars in the sky. So we ask then, what is this hope of glory? This hope of glory, brothers and sisters, is the resurrection. Remember in Romans, St. Paul writes, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same Spirit will give life to your mortal body. This is amazing news. This is the best news ever. The theologian N.T. Wright notes that Christ indwells by His Spirit. All those who belonging to His family are said to be in Him. God's glory will be displayed in and through our bodies The glory of God will bring life once again to these bodies at the last day, and we will rise luminous and more glorious than we can imagine. In his wonderful book, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis wrote, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. And then finally, the story of Mary and Martha, our third reading. This is a familiar story. And for many people, there's sometimes a knee-jerk reaction to try and defend Martha. I think a little too much. Because we know that hosting guests is difficult. Making dinner, cleaning up after dinner, making sure everyone has what they need. It's really tiring. And Mary, her sister, would normally be helping her serve. But she's elsewhere. She's in the other room sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. Martha gets annoyed and protests to Jesus, but Jesus defends Mary's choice and says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus does not tell Mary to go and help. He identifies something here that is really important, and that is, brothers and sisters, formation is more important than busyness. Formation is more important than busyness. Sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing his words, asking questions, hearing him interact with others is formative. As Mary sits at his feet, as she sits there and listens to his teaching, what he's teaching is being formed in her. 
as she absorbs it and as she begins to live it. And so, as we sit here and listen to these stories from God's Word, we ask ourselves, how is Christ formed in us? Now, usually, with sermons like this, when we talk about how Christ is formed in us, it's usually summarized through the call to social action and to do good works in the social scene. And brothers and sisters, these calls to action are necessary. But today, I'm not going to focus so much on that aspect because we tend to hear that so often. I'm going to keep it a little bit in the theological realm. First of all, we need to be incorporated into Christ's body. And how do we do that? Through baptism. In a few weeks, we're going to baptize some people, and that will be their entrance into Christ. It will be their initiation into this church. It will be their initiation into the family of God. The second way Christ is formed in us is through the Holy Eucharist or through communion. When we come to the table, we are feeding on Christ. And when we do, we are continually transformed into his image and God's grace is given to us. And the third way Christ is formed in us, brothers and sisters, is through worship. In worship, we learn learn the rhythm of life in the spirit as Christ's body. And these are so necessary. These are so formative for our Christian life that we dare not neglect them. All too often, we live as Martha's, distracted with the busyness of life, when in fact we should be doing the better thing, seated at the feet of Christ, here, (laughs) hearing his word being proclaimed, reading the scriptures, singing hymns, witnessing new entrances into the kingdom of God through the waters of baptism, and most importantly, coming to share in Christ's life-giving body and blood through the Holy Eucharist. These are how Christ is formed in us. And yes, Christ is also formed in us through our selfless acts of service as well. And that task of proclaiming this, that St. Paul took upon himself, well, no, not that he took upon himself, that Christ gave him to do. This is our task too. That promise of blessing the whole world is still in force. It is our job then to proclaim that, and some will turn away, but many will not. The reading from Colossians talked about how Christ is reconciling all things to himself. And we see that beginning in this story through the, 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 the promise made to Abraham and Sarah, but that task to proclaim that is just as much ours as it was for St. Paul, and it's just as much ours as it was for the church in Colossae. So let us not be distracted with busyness, but let Christ be formed in us so that formation that we receive, we can proclaim and share with others so that we can then bring them in 
through the waters of baptism into Christ's body of the church so they can come and receive the Holy Eucharist, where they can come and worship, where Christ can become to be formed in them. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd ask that you would consider helping to meet a major need that we have. Our building is in current need of some necessary repairs, so we've set up a GoFundMe, gofundme.com slash SaveZionStone. And I ask that you would please consider donating there, or if you'd like, you could also mail us something directly. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to contact me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com or you can find me on the church's Facebook page, Zion Stone United Church of Christ, as well as our website. This podcast is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you.